when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Fucking Sony, downgrading like douches once again. Always pulling some shit with their one and done exclusives. Hashtag shady business, hashtag never fails. Next tweet. This isn't Sony fault, blame at Insomniac Games. Next tweet. There is no downgrade. The sun moved during the course of development, which changed the lighting in the scene, and we reduced the amount of puddles there. Please enjoy the hour of amazing footage we've released since the E3 illustrating this. That is a tiny little tweet thread uh, ending on a tweet by James Stevenson, who is a developer, I believe a community manager at Insomniac Games. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about Puddlegate, gamer entitlement, and uh. technology. It's going to be it's going to be a good one. This is Waypoint Radio episode 184. It's Friday, uh, September 7th, 2018, and I'm Danielle Riendo. Joining me today are Natalie Watson. Hi, hi. Patrick Klepek. Hello. And Rob Zachney. Hello, hello. So this is one uh, that kind of happened right before we went to PAX and a whole bunch of things sort of occurred and happened. Uh, this Puddlegate controversy, which basically at its uh, on its face is about uh, people were complaining about an E3 demo of Spider-Man. Excuse me, Marvel's Spider-Man, which is the proper title. Please be specific. Excuse me. Excuse me. All right. Marvel's Spider-Man, the PlayStation 4 game that is out uh, this week. Is that right? Or is it next week? Yeah, it came out yesterday, according came out yesterday. to based on the publication of this podcast. Perfect. Came out yesterday. Streamed it yesterday. Uh, and folks were <laughs> complaining about a week before release that the visuals had been downgraded. And this was based on some screenshots of the E3 demo, which showed a sort of room with combat that had a lot of puddles and shadows and lighting and all sorts of other sort of uh, fancy magic tricks going on compared to a screenshot of the same room from the final build, which appeared to have fewer puddles and less uh, sort of uh, shadows in the puddles, lighting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this caused a controversy where a lot of gamers... Uh, capital G gamers, I would say, uh, were upset that the visuals were downgraded in the uh, couple of months since E3, that the final game would not look as nice, it would not be as pretty, it would not be as impressive technically as what was shown in the demo. So that is that is sort of what we're starting at here. This is uh, Puddlegate, uh, and it caused quite a bit of a stir. I, I went on the old YouTubes today. I took a look at what people were saying about this. And there were plenty of smaller YouTubers who were kind of talking about this and saying, oh, you know, Sony and marketing and PR blitz, it's always bullshit. Uh, but quite a few of the bigger YouTubers were actually sort of making fun of this sentiment. So the the sort of sentiment was all over the place on this. I guess we should probably start off, uh, Patrick, you've played the game, you've beaten the game, you've reviewed it. Uh, we should probably start off with 
how Spider-Man actually looks and plays uh, and whether or not there was sort of anything there to the, the controversy. Yeah, uh, so yeah, so, so Spider-Man anyway. is a uh it's it's a very good game. You can read my review uh up on, on the site. There's an audio read that I and a conversation I did with Austin as well. Um, you know, all the gameplay story stuff aside, it's a it's a gorgeous game. It's a it's a very pretty game. Um certainly one of uh the prettiest I've seen, although that's kind of par for the course for brand new game, prettiest game you've ever seen. Um but it has a very uh, uh nice aesthetic to it, um going for sort of pseudo realism. Um it's not going trying to ape a comic book panel um it's going for more along the lines of uh you know the films and things like that but it uh it's very colorful it's very pretty um at no point in the game did i ever think to myself it needs more puddles or that the lighting was <laughs> off um it's, it's a really good uh looking uh video game so that part of it i i can i can uh authentically say that i i liked the way that game looked good Good. Yeah. And I actually watched the sort of Digital Foundry. And if you don't know Digital Foundry, they do sort of technical analysis and, and to some degree artistic analysis. They talk about sort of tech art quite a bit uh, in their videos. Uh, you can check that out on YouTube. But I, I watched the whole Digital Foundry breakdown of the game, uh, which goes in even very specifically to that room that people were very upset about uh, and talks about how it looks like an artistic choice was made to uh, to actually just have something like fewer puddles uh, but the the way they actually rendered sort of uh, the reflection of other buildings in the puddles was the thing that was changed, right? So they they have a different sort of reflection system for what goes on. There's a very, very technical, specific breakdown for how that works. But uh, the overall analysis was that, no, this is actually a very, very visually impressive game. It looks like there were actual upgrades to the visuals in many ways, different types of shadows, different types of rendering et cetera, et cetera, really just sort of debunking the idea that, oh, Sony showed something and then made a crappier version for the, the final release. Rob, go ahead. But the the difference is, like, Digital Foundry are a group of people who know what the fuck they're talking about exactly. when it comes to tech. Like, And, that, and that's the thing. Exactly. We're at a point, like, we're at a point in uh, games technology where f- for a lot of, like, your lay your laypersons, they're not going to have the eyes or technical knowledge to really identify what what is a creative choice versus which which is what is an expression of like a technical limitation, right? Like, you know, the the Digital Foundry video is interesting because one of the other things that they sort of keyed on is that people were noticing that the game just there was the sense that the game in the final release just looked less good, and one of the things that like Digital Foundry pointed out is that. That E3 demo does look different. It looks glossy and shiny, and sort of like when you go to a uh, you know big box retailer or something. They got the they got the TVs set up everywhere, and they're all just cranked up to eleven, right? Like maximum color saturation, maximum vividness, edge edge enhancement, all that crap. That isn't actually like better for visuals. In fact, it's actually bad, but it does make it pop more it, yeah. it makes it a little more vivid it makes the image stand out a little bit more in a crowded field the kind of field you'd also get in a trade show environment a yeah. little bit but the final version of the game is a little more restrained as clearly insomniac were like you know the spider suit is supposed to be fabric right it's not it, it's it's it, it, there shouldn't be like a weird sheen on it it's it's cloth <laughs> He's not uh, sweating so all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so there's there's lots of little choices like that, uh, but there is this weird suspicion toward developers that, like, 
somehow there are developers out there not giving players their money's worth, not giving, not like, not rewarding players for the fancy hardware they bought, not taking full advantage of the technical resources they have available. And so you get these weird fixations on shit like puddles and reflections. And it's because it is a thing that a layperson can look at and think they can make a judgment off of that because it seems it seems like an easy benchmark, but it isn't. Like it's still it's yet another place where you just don't have the eyes or technical expertise. Natalie. Or yeah, or the thing is that there's like an intentional deception. Like this was like intentionally done. Like there was like almost like a you know we from the developer side like we know we can fool them into you know giving them the big glossy thing and then just give them what we're really giving them and hopefully they won't notice or like you know they're you know not perceptive enough to notice or like they're trying to sneak something by them which is like probably the most alarming thing to me is that there's like a paranoia about you know what and i mean this goes you know, beyond just, you know, gamer audience, and it has to do with media consumption in general, but the this, like, paranoia that um, what we're being given isn't, is being intentionally fed to us with, you know, like, malicious um, initiative is, like, very concerning to me. Um, because that's such a stra- strained relationship between player and developer. That's, that is not, that is, just ha- there's no way to to navigate that in a way that is going to be productive or on either side um so and it's hard for me to wrap my head around feeling that paranoia because i never expect like i don't know i i've like been thinking about this since we we were talking about doing this for the podcast is like trying to wrap my head around being in that perspective of that consumer feeling deceived because i don't think i've ever felt intentionally deceived by a developer for giving me something that is slightly you know less peas in quality or whatever from (laughs) the original you know trailer that i had seen and also um yeah so i'll just leave there for now but that that is just such a strange feeling for me to wrap my head around um because these are you know products they they they're not just products they're they're you know artistic works like they're truly like what it comes down to are these these are a conglomeration of all sort of different art mediums and they're not just i mean we'll talk about that in a second i think based <laughs> on some of some homework that Danielle gave us to read <laughs> earlier <laughs> um but th- they're not just yeah i don't know yeah, and I mean, some of that comes from the history oh, of bull shots, right? Uh, which was a sort of a, the term you would use in a 90s magazine, uh, 90s video game magazine for, you know, a beautiful screenshot that was clearly not running on sort of the target hardware. There was a the whole idea of like, this is a bull shot instead of, you know. Um, oh, yeah, I want to defend bull shot. I want to defend bull shot. Yeah, no, a I'm fine bit. with I'm just sort of like, I feel like there is a history here of of context with Oh, but but it never seemed to be. Now, correct me if I'm wrong with bull shots, and I'm, you know, 
I want to hear your take on bull shots for sure. But with bull shots, it always seemed like there was a sort of smiling quality to it. Like, oh yeah, that's a bull shot. But people weren't uh, whipped up into a frenzy or, or sort of a, a consumerist nightmare conspiracy theory about it. It was sort of like, this is a PR screenshot. Okay, we'll see what it, the final game looks like, but it's a bull shot. It's, it seemed honestly like a the, the writers of those magazines were kind of doing the dance and, and contextualizing that for people, but it does feel very different. This this kind of thing, this puddle gate, I, I hate adding gate to things, but it was added to, you know, the term, so we'll just go with it. Um, it does feel qualitatively different. It does feel like of a piece with what you're sort of starting in there, Natalie, with the sort of, uh, you know, sort of consumerist conspiracy theory. But I do, I do Rob, I do want to hear your, your take no, I on just, uh, I, I think... <laughs> The the frustration because bull shots I've seen used a lot more recently. Um, I actually saw it more in uh, like more in, in games coverage in like the late two thousands, uh, early tens. But this like Ubisoft were a particular like particularly egregious uh, publisher in this regard. Where like the reason those those screenshots were, were frustrating weren't just that like they were passed off as like what the game would actually look like and even be and what you saw in those games were like mechanically impossible scenarios within the game right like it was a weird thing where like there are things implied in those shots about what the game would actually be like what you'd be doing and playing that were just manifestly like that is never going to happen in this game that is not what this game is even about like that is not the experience of this game and there was kind of this this sort of brief window where not only were these screenshots like wildly touched up and sort of um you know enhanced in in a variety of ways but also they were sort of carefully composed in in a way that i think that was that was a case where that did start to feel a little bit like deceptive advertising because it was a case, it was a case where you weren't like you weren't playing up the visuals of a game. You were also misrepresenting what the even, play. yeah, what you'd be what playing. What even was, yeah. yeah. Mm. Patrick, sorry, I know you had something there a second ago. Oh, that's fine. Um, you know, I, I think there we have seen uh, this. Is, there's not a huge jump between sort of like the entitled, like nerd culture isn't full of entitlement and wish fulfillment and catering. Uh, large, you know, in, in large part due to marketing that tries to make people that are in fandoms feel at the center of the universe and things are supposed to be catered to. I mean, in some degree that is true of consumerism writ large, but um, I think we see this a lot in, in gaming marketing and slogans and the way often uh, gamers, because they, you know, video games are unique in the regard where, where there is a player, there is an interaction, there is a push and pull between creator and person interacting in a way that is manifestly different than in a film. But, you know, you know, just, you know, exhibit A, go see, you know, the reaction to The Last Jedi as, you know, an, an incredible example of sort of fan entitlement over what they think they deserve and what they should get and what is actually delivered to them. And I think we see this all the time in video games. And I think on top of that, there's also, uh, you know, I can't speak to every game critic, I cannot speak to every games journalist, every games writer, but I would say I think it is easy to say as a blanket statement that the vast majority of game critics are also like not technically savvy. Um, they can tell the difference between a bad frame rate and a good frame rate. I, I think we saw uh, manifestly in when uh, 4K stuff was coming around that like I would, I, I've said quite honestly, like I've seen, you can show me 1080p and 4K side by side, I can tell the difference. 
if you were just to put one in front of me and take the other away, I don't know if I could tell you the difference. Yeah. Um, mm. Part of that is my uh, unfamiliarity with 4K displays. I don't have a lot. I don't have any in my house. But also just I'm technical stuff just doesn't bother me as much. Like it does bother me, right? Like so like when I was playing Dead Cells on Switch, that game has frame rate issues that impact your ability to play that game. Like that is a problem. Like that is yeah. that is not being entitled to say this game should run at a better frame rate. Um, <laughs> but I do think there is the case – What's part of what contributes to this is across the board a lack of technical expertise amongst critics. So then critics tend to hand wave technical stuff in a way that there are segments of players that that stuff is important to them. It's a lot more important in PC culture than it is in console culture because in PC culture you have control over it. You can buy a better graphics card. You can buy a better CPU. Some of that stuff exists in console games, especially with the Pro and Xbox One X and, like, the existence of, like, graphical uh, options. Like, that stuff is filtering into consoles a little bit um, as they get kind of PC'd. Um, but I think there also is sort of a, a gap between some uh, players and some critics where uh, I can hand wave that stuff away because it just doesn't, you know, the difference if a frame rate drops in a Far Cry game, like, whatever. But that may be more important to some players. The existence of things like Digital Foundry are useful for me because I can say, look, I don't give a shit about this. If you do, <laughs> here is someone I can point you to that can answer your questions for you. But I think that one of the aspects of PC culture that's definitely making its way into games, in part because things like the Xbox One X exist and the PS4 Pro exist, is this idea that with with like video card marketing and like PC component marketing there's always this sort of promise that like look you you spring for this you spring for this stuff you're going to get a better experience in some way and like like it baked into like the bones of PC gaming as a hobby is this sense that like part of it is that ability to get greater fidelity greater uh you know greater results for what you put into the hobby for for what you spend on it and it was for a long time, like that's what that's what sold that's what sold ads. That's what sort of informed the culture. It's what a lot of PC gaming uh, magazines focused on because, like, this game is going to play, break your video card. Yeah, you know? if you like just want to play was... video games, you can play. You you be a console kitty, right? Like, but the reason you're a PC gamer is so that you can hot rod your rig for Christ's sake, and somehow <laughs> that's going to be a better thing, especially if it has neon on it. Uh, but what that has sort of made its way in because like I have a PS4. I don't see a, a lot of reason for me to get by a PS4 Pro, but like imagine if I did. Part of you're kind of you're kind of making that promise again of like, look, this little extra bit of visual fidelity you're going to get, you're going to be rewarded for it. If you give us your four hundred dollars, you'll be rewarded. You will get to enter the promised land of of true gamers where everything looks photorealistic and it's you know the the wall the 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 portal on your wall into another world will finally open for you and i i think that's a little bit of like like this is the double edged sword and this it's especially double edged now because the gains are so marginal you know in like in 2000 buying a new video card you would see immediately like holy shit this game looks like you can move up an entire like category of like Resolution, you'd improve your resolution, improve detail like, level, like, you would like see it. When 3D graphic cards came around, like when you bought, when I bought my first 3DFX card for Quake, it introduced translucency in the water. Like 
I couldn't see through the water in software rendering mode. I got a graphics card, and then I could see through that fucking water. Like, that was like, <laughs> that was a holy yeah. shit. Like, wow, this is a manifestly different gameplay experience. And, like, as that has been flattened out, it is it is tied games tighter and tighter to the idea that, well, if it is better, if it runs better, if it looks better, it is better. And that is true for some genres, right? Like, there are genres that are intrinsically tied to technical expertise, like a fighting game, right? Like, there's a reason those run at 60 frames yeah. a second because of, of input, right? But that has been, like, sort of, like, broadly applied to all games. And, like, yes, I wish every game was 60 frames a second. But the lack of that does not mean this game is, is lacking. Um, and, and But I think that, ex- that, that expectation has, like, that exists, that, that entitlement exists. And that is the fault of, like, a lot of people that is not... In some way, gamers, but is in a lot, you know other ways, you know, marketing and what's been promised, and then that expectation gets baked in. Yeah, and then and then there's you know a punishment because that means that you know oh I'm not buying the game at all or I'm you know I won't play the game at all if there is that difference if there is like that is liars also they like, still buy the game liars they are all liars you still <laughs> buy that the game liar. <laughs> it's okay. just it's so like. Fund, like Sox fundamentally, is I get it. Yeah. Oh, it was <laughs> that's Pixel. not socks. Actually, Pixel was mad. So- I get it. Socks is asleep. <laughs> okay, good, good. Sorry, wrong dog. Um, yeah, wrong dog. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like the idea that you know, sure, sure, it may be disappointing to to see some you know downgrade in quality. Sure, like you know, you want games to be beautiful and. When games aren't as beautiful as you might have thought they were going to be, I am just the tiniest bit sympathetic to like, oh, maybe, you know, that's a little bit of a disappointment. But I could never imagine just not playing or buying the game and like sort of like boycotting with your dollar um, over. I mean, that's what the whole Puddlegate thing was, is that like people aren't going to buy the game over the puddles, right? Like it's it's also, man, it's complicated because like how much is is this? How much was this actually a thing? And then how much was this a thing because Insomniac acknowledged it? How much did this become a thing because as a result of Insomniac acknowledging it, it shoots up on Reddit and then Mm. different publications write about it. And then in response to the different publications writing about it, you get YouTube videos for and against and riffing on it. Like there – I mean – there's no way around saying like this isn't also part of like outrage culture and the monetization of outrage culture and that – uh, I'm not saying it wasn't a news story, right? Like, it's difficult uh-huh. for me to say, like, oh, Kotaku shouldn't have written a piece about this and all the other outlets that ran something about it. At the same time, like, don't aren't we just, like, elevating bad actors and bad faith arguments by writing about that at all? That said, I'm sympathetic where it's like, if something's at the top of Reddit, people are talking about it. And yeah. you can't... You can't just ignore that. At the waypoint, we just ignored stuff like that right? <laughs> because that's not part of our business model. But, like, the line between... People are talking about it over here. How, I think a part of it is approach, right? Like if it's just covering people said a thing, people said a thing is not a news story. But if it's people said a thing and this is fit within a larger context, let us explain why people are doing that. I can see the argument. But I think that it's it's this was elevated in a way that uh, is partially, I think, it's Omniac's fault because if they didn't say anything, then it doesn't become an official line. But once it's an official line, like, I can't blame places like Kotaku for being like, well, Insomniac acknowledged it, so it's a thing because they made it yeah. a thing. But I think so on, like, speaking on Sony as a company, their silence has always been paid attention to <laughs> because they're they notoriously go silent when asked, like, 
questions on, you know, different things. I don't know. I don't, you know, want to reference any, I don't think it's necessary to reference anything specific, but like, you know, when it comes to like maybe cross player, different things like that, they, they notoriously right. go silent and it's mm-hmm. very noticeable. Um, and so in that context, like this being a, a Sony exclusive, like there is that kind of like tension tied to it where like, if there isn't something said, people are going to notice because it is a Sony game. Um, at least that would be my assumption. If if nothing had been said, I could have easily seen there being sort of a big thing being made of the silence itself. Um, and the idea that feed, don't feed the trolls doesn't hold water anymore, right? Like it's it's very much the trolls are going to win no matter what you do. So you can defend yourself or you cannot defend yourself. But there's very much a uh, a sense of, well, dev- developers are going to be harassed on some level. I'm not saying this is necessarily the same level of harassment that other kerfuffles or other really horrible uh, incidences of harassment uh, have entailed. But we're in a culture now where it can't just be a small thing. Exactly what you were saying a minute ago, Patrick, like everything blows up, everything becomes, whether it's a story in the media or just a story uh, amongst YouTubers and it blows up and everybody gets whipped into a frenzy to borrow a phrase you used once uh, when talking about harassment and talking about sort of this culture of um, just sort of rage and entitlement and harassment, right? It's, it never stays small anymore. Um, <laughs> it, it could have been maybe smaller, Possibly. Yeah, absolutely. But it's 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 one of those things where I have some sympathy for the developers in terms of you've worked on this game and uh, it's by all measures looks like a good game. Uh, They've done a good job with it. And, you know, some random asshole, (laughs) a a bunch of hundreds of random assholes on Twitter are, are, you know, saying it's your fault. Why would you screw up? Why would you do this? Why why are you such liars? I can imagine being frustrated with that and and using the line that uh, that we that we opened the show on, which was here. There's an hour of footage out there. You can you can go look at it. Like let the you know attempting to let the work speak for itself, even though you're obviously like responding to uh, somebody who's potentially being kind of trollish. Go ahead. Well, and is there an element of like nobody wants to be the next uh, Mass Effect Andromeda in this, yeah. where it's it's like <laughs> in different cases, like Mass Effect Andromeda literally like didn't work out of the box basically right like there were huge problems with that game at launch and that game threw up a lot of like really embarrassing glitches and errors and problems yeah and that became sort of like what people were talking about in that first like 48 hours and in some ways defined the first impression right and so i can i can understand where there is sort of a uh instinct toward erring on the side of being proactive and uh heading the stuff off um by you know being quick to say like no 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 hold on you're still you're still getting your you're still getting all those pixels you paid for don't worry about it <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but something that I found interesting a second ago was Natalie talking about it you know having sympathy like a small amount of sympathy uh, for people who they want their game to be beautiful and they like and if they're going to be disappointed when it's a, when it's a shade less beautiful than it was but. I'm not sure, like, I don't think this this tech fetishism has much to do with beauty anymore. Like, yeah. it did, like, again, yeah. like, 15, 20 years ago when this culture was really starting to form, like, the, the difference between water that is translucent versus, like, a blue block sitting in a level, <laughs> that is going to be, like, the translucent water can be, like, you know, quite beautiful compared to what, what, what came before. We're kind of at a point where... 
beauty is not something that's going to be remotely determined in a game by technical limitations. Yeah. yeah, it's it's artistic choices uh, from a lot of different people. And I think one of the things that the game industry has lagged behind is... I don't think the game industry ever learned how to talk about these products, how to talk about these creative works in a tone that was not fundamentally consumer electronics speak yeah. in some ways. Like like that they were new tech, they were new gadgets, they were new tech products. And we've been out of that mode for a long time in terms of the technologies involved and the limitations involved, but we still have these conversations in part driven by console generations and uh, video card cycles. We still talk about these as if, okay, well the next technology is going to do all this shit for you. But really what is probably more useful to know at this point is discussing uh, more of the craft of game, game art, game lighting. Uh, But that's not something we've ever transitioned to like, knowing how to talk about and we've certainly never spotlight like spotlighted any of the people who create that art yeah that's a major problem and and when something like that happens when uh you know when for example the horizon zero dawn another kerfuffle in uh (laughs) sort of like video game lighting and it wasn't just lighting it was more rendering it was it was sort of how a scene was rendered there's a minor incident over a video where the developers of horizon zero dawn uh, sort of, we're talking about a particular technique. I don't remember the exact name. I know it's something, uh, occlusion culling or, or something like that, right? Just explaining a, a fairly a fairly basic uh, technique oh, for rendering fine. a scene. But everyone on the internet supposedly had an opinion or, or got angry about either how basic this was, uh, how why don't the dumbasses understand this immediately? There was sort of that tone amongst... Uh, some developers and some critics of like, oh, well, you know, basically how stupid people must be if they don't know that this is a basic technique and be the fact that a lot of people actually really don't know how any of this works. So there, there's that massive disconnect again. And it's not the same exact disconnect we're talking about here, but it is very much along the lines of tech fetishization and thinking, you know, what you're talking about, which is what so many of these folks, I think, who got very angry or who got whipped up into this particular frenzy. Uh, you know, the Digital Foundry video actually goes into the fact that the technique that people were talking about, the people that maybe are not game artists, they weren't even talking about the the correct technique that was used to light this particular scene. They actually had the, the term completely wrong. They were talking about something completely different. Uh, and again, I'm not going to trip over what those exact terms are. Definitely go see that Digital Foundry video for the exact breakdown. It's very much in layman's terms. It's understandable. Uh, but I think a lot of people think they sure know a lot about game development uh, that they don't necessarily. Uh, certainly, there are plenty of developers who are, are willing to comment and weigh in on these kinds of things who do know what they're talking about. But a vast majority, I think, and I'm going to just make a judgment call here and say I think a majority of people who got into this frenzy aren't necessarily game developers or don't necessarily actually know uh, the techniques or the craft or what goes into this. They just got really mad because X, Y, and Z. Right. That has to do with tech fetishization. That has to do with uh, a sense of entitlement towards having the very, very best because they purchased the very, very best. And maybe they watched something and they understood part of it. Maybe they picked up a few phrases along the way, but they're not actually necessarily experts in the field. Uh, And I think 
personally, I think that's a lot of what's going on here. So, yeah. I'm, oh, go ahead, Natalie. You had something. No, I was no, going to read a going. quote. Keep read a quote, please. <laughs> I was going to read uh, a comment. I'm not going to call this person out. It's a comment from YouTube. It was from a YouTuber, uh, a response to a YouTuber, smaller YouTuber who talked about this. And their tone was very much, yeah, of course it doesn't look as good, but why should we be surprised? You know, it was very, um, it wasn't fiery. It was more, you know, s- slightly spurned, but still excited about the game. And the commenter here really goes through a whole bunch of this. So I, I thought this was a very good representative kind of quote here. So here's the comment. This is simply disingenuous and people are getting fed up with it. We're capable of understanding the difference between in-game footage and a CG trailer, but you don't see a problem when they claim it's in-game footage, and while that's technically true, you'll never get the same in-game experience whether you own a standard PS4 or the Pro. I consider myself to be a much more gameplay-oriented gamer and see graphics as secondary to things like controls, gameplay, nuances, and story, but if it's but it's pretty tiring and looking into this after hearing about it in every gaming news outlet, it's just being smug and chuckling through the segment about Puddlegate like it's the fans' fault for being overhyped in the first place. When it was practices such as these that caused the hype in the first place. Like, imagine I'm a contractor and you made a flight of, you wanted a flight of stairs built. I show you a picture I had uh, supposedly built before and it's made of marble and winds up in a spiral and looks amazing. I tell you, hey, go away for a few months and when you're back, you'll have the same thing. Now imagine you've come back and it's slapped together with plywood and duct tape. It only makes it halfway up from floor to floor. Wouldn't you be pretty pissed off when I tell you, oh no, the sun's just a different angle, dude. Maybe you shouldn't defend the industry for bad marketing practices and try to see it from the perspective of frustrated players. Because while at times it can be a bed of testosterone-fueled childish nonsense, but at other times they have a point and they aren't just mad for the sake of something to be mad about. But that's not what's happening here. Like, you <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, don't have that's, a non-functioning set of stairs. Are we, are we talking about stairs? the Republicans' good faith arguments here? They just they want to <laughs> compromise. <laughs> I think that's maybe what's going on. Like, he's, like uh, the person's not wrong, like capital w wrong but that is that is engaging in far too much good faith over like the 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 reasons that people are acting this way as opposed to people just being shitty and entitled and wanting everything their way and and, well it's that's it's bogus in in the way that like that analogy doesn't work yeah exactly i'm sorry (laughs) it's like it's like you got a different marble than you were shown in the the photograph you know what i mean like that's that's the equivalent it's it's not that like yeah this is a staircase right and it's duct tape and like cardboard no it doesn't like doesn't function like it's still functioning Uh, yeah continue i don't know it's no i mean i don't have much more than that i just i i don't understand the psychology of this in, in some ways you know what it reminds me of is um you're running up, like you're driving on the highway, and someone just like pulls up behind you, gets right on your fucking ass, and it's just like you know, just riding your tail, and you're like, okay, like you clearly you want to get moving, I'll get out of the way, and they go like two miles an hour faster, pull up <laughs> alongside you, and then they just stop accelerating, and <laughs> what they don't like, they have no sense. Of how fast they're going. They're not, the point isn't to go fast. The thing that drives them nuts is that someone is in their way. That someone, you know what I mean? Like that, that they are not the fastest. That they are not, that they are not getting somewhere ahead of anyone else. That they are not, they are not getting some sort of special result out of this. That is the thing that I see a lot on, uh, I, I, I make a lot of analogies to traffic since moving to Boston, honestly. Like I, I there's an entire like, <laughs> 
like uh, experience of humanity that you get on the uh, on the freeways around here. But hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, this, is what, this is kind of what it reminds me of. Is like It's only this sense of um, injustice because this person got wedded to this one idea from one thing they saw and what they thought it implied. And when that's taken away, all they can feel is that somehow they've been cheated. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got another one thing I will say is oh, that I, uh, up until maybe uh, like six years ago, I can't remember how long ago it is that I got into playing PC games. I played everything on a console like because... I told myself that, oh, it's just easier, and I don't want to deal with the PC. And if you're in that mindset, it's not that hard. You can do it. I believe in you. Um, and it is worth it to have, like, a gaming PC, even if it's not top of the line. But the moment I got a gaming PC, and, like, I could play, like, most games at, like, 1080, 60 frames a second, like, there was a certain bliss and ignorance where I played a lot of games at crummy console frame rates um, that I just got used to because I was telling myself... I just don't care about this stuff. Like, frame rate doesn't matter that much. And it's like, no, like, you've just gotten used to, like, swimming around in the garbage. Like, you actually <laughs> could go over here and, like, play a game, and it functionally makes the game play better and is more enjoyable when it's not chunking along at 19 frames a second when something blows up. And there was a bliss in me not knowing the difference and just, like, settling for what it was. And then once I got a PC, got used to playing things at a certain way, like, I do try to play everything on a PC because it's like, one, I do have control over it so I can make it like run better. And two, like it is nicer to have things at a nicer frame rate, like as a general rule. Um, so I don't know. That's just that's just like a change that took over with me that I, I almost wish I was back in the old world where I was used to my lower expectations because I just didn't know what it was like. And then I got a graphic card and was like, oh, <laughs> shit. 60 frames a second is pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm just that is that's been part of my experience too. Like, I shouldn't be sitting here and being like, "Yeah, I don't get it." People who focus on this stuff are full of shit. Because, like, eh, there's a reason I like I was a PC gamer for years and years and years and didn't get it. Well, also, it's totally different types of games. Like, that was probably the, yeah. The and more that's controlling like, these factor. days, it's more about control over the experience than it is about which games you're playing. It used to be that yeah, you're just going if you want to play Tie Fighter. You gotta own a PC. Yeah, like that's that was just your only option. Yeah, uh, but there is this element. Like, I can't, I, I can't totally disavow being that person who would sit the there. Element and, of control, right? Like, it's the, it's, the, it's where, uh, like, I think part of a little bit of this, maybe the genuine argument here is like, like th- this stuff is out of your control. Where it's like, look, if this game was on PC, there's probably a slider in there or I can go into an any file and I can like modify it and like get those puddles to look exactly how I want to. Whereas on the console, it's like, 
I'm just at the just you know the, the, the developer is just doing what they do, and if they took it took it out, like that's frustrating. Or if you look at the case of like The Witcher Three, right? Um, the Witcher Three went through its own like massive like downgrade scandal, and that was a result. Like you know, one of the things that CD Projekt talked about was like, well, we wanted to make money, which meant we wanted to put this out on an Xbox One and a PS4, which means the game was scaled down a lot because it needed to functionally run on three platforms at the same time. And although, although the PC version looks better, there are just certain things that they couldn't do because it needed to run on a console. Um, and mm. you saw, like, a lot of people get, like, very riled up over that notion specifically because it was like, well, fuck the console players because they ruined our game as a result of having to, to run on, like, you know, these specific specialized uh, machines. So, I mean, I think you're right, Rob. I think there there is to some element, like, people being... I like having that control over things. Like, rather than, like, maybe I would rather have the game run at a slower frame rate and I'd rather have those puddles. So just, like, put in the option in there in advanced graphics controls and, like, let me choose how I want that experience to go. Yeah. The, I mean, the puddles in this case are a metaphor. Like, do you, I remember, I'm talking about, like... <laughs> yeah. uh, about the traffic in Boston? <laughs> no, I'm talking about, like, reflections are a weird thing just in games in general. Do you remember in the late 90s... There were, like, lots of reflections that are always really corny. Like, in a shooter, you'd go into a bathroom, and you'd see your character mm-hmm. sort of in the mirror, and yeah, you'd realize... The, the, the first, first game Deus that I thought was Duke, yeah. 3, Duke Nukem 3D, baby. Yeah, Deus Ex is the one that, in my head, J.C. Denton, you see what a weird little model uh, When you first you go into the bathroom, and you're like... Yeah. Yep. And that was 100%. such a weird moment. And that's such a weird... Because that was the first time you could, like, see yourself being reflected in the game. But, like, that was, like, significant. And you hardly ever see it anymore. And for years and years, I was like, well, I don't know, man. Like, I think consoles maybe did, like, change game development because, like, you used to see reflections in games, (laughs) and now you don't. And the answer is partly, like, reflections are really hard. Like, they look like shit if you just, like... I remember Jake Rodkin talking to us about, like, trying to go through, like, what what makes a perfectly reflective surface in a game. And he's like, well, actually, you have to build the world of the game on the other side of this portal so that you're actually looking into a mirrored level and it's being rendered for you to look at. And then it has to do everything you do and move with you. Uh, And, like, it sort of broke his brain. He's describing it. and (laughs) It's breaking my brain right now. Yeah, no, it's, like, it's it's this weird thing. And so there's all these... uh, It's another example of, like, to have something like to do a perfect reflection in a game might end up with something that looks really silly and fake and wrong in a way that like no reflection in the actual world will ever look like. And so we create all these other like methods for evoking what a reflection should look and feel like. But there's this, there's this part of the part of me to an extent that's still going to be like, but I remember in Deus Ex, I could see myself in the mirror. And I don't, I don't see my reflection anymore. Why not? Like, what happened to the promise of gaming? Where did I go? I'm good on not seeing JC's goofy ass mug. I'm good on that. Actually. No, I need to know how cool I am with the sunglasses and the weird sheen on his face. The leather jacket. I recognize. I recognize the significance of the moment in gaming history. But when I played Deus Ex for the first time, I was just like, what is this goofy-ass mug looking back at me? You do it once, and then you're like, oh, they, they spent, like, probably dozens of hours doing this thing that oh, I yeah, did once. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, that I respect weird. it. <laughs> I have a on. lot of respect, but I'm good. <laughs> respect, but um, I'm good. But the, it's funny, because, like, I don't know. 
I I've just I I don't see the us being I mean this is kind of a th- through line I think throughout the whole argument is like I do, I don't think we're in a place where beauty and like visual experience is as tied to like the the tiny steps that we're making in gra- in technical and graphical um uh, ability whereas like yakuza 2 kiryu versus yakuza 2 kiwami kiryu way more beautiful like <laughs> very much like that is very obvious and and but going from like i don't know i don't need a game to be like when i saw uh what was the dumbass oh detroit beyond human mm-hmm. um when i saw that game and like people were saying oh my god is i just i that wasn't beautiful to me like a game doesn't have to look like that to be beautiful to me like a game can be i don't know like anything else like any other type of like aesthetic uh uh presentation whether it's like pixel you know like 8 bit 16 bit or you know cell shaded or whatever it is it just it doesn't have to be looking like my skin like i don't need to see myself in the game for it to be beautiful to me like that is such a weird concept to like want to see like my the the qualities of my own personness or my own human like biology <laughs> in a game for it to be beautiful like that's just not what's be- that's such like a weird like anthropocentric way of measuring beauty in a game like where you you just want to see yourself as i don't know that's like some weird shit right there well, i don't know how to describe I, it yeah. like i'm thinking about like uh like David Cage's whole thing of like, how do I get my virtual actors to look better and more lifelike? His solution mm-hmm. was like, like you know, this is really reductive, but fuck it. David Cage thinks like if you just make really big, detailed eyes with like little micro like gestures and movements in the eyes, he's <laughs> like, ah, I've captured the essence of humanity. Now I will make a game, and because I've imbued these characters with life. Uh, my dog shit writing will also somehow come to life. Um, but, like, I do not think I have seen as much, like, relatable humanity in the David Cage character as I do in, like, the way characters interact in Yakuza 0. Like, early on, there's a moment where one of the one of the mob bosses like starts breaking down for Kiryu like look kid here's what you've stumbled into and he's like here's here's the context you're not getting and I don't know he just like he just comes across as this rumpled uh kind of broken down old boxer it's the sort of the buff dude right um but there's something about the way he moves and the combination of like the way that character's like animated and the little gestures and voice and all that comes together to create a virtual performance that's very evocative and relatable and human. And it doesn't look anywhere near as good as, like, damn, look at the pores all over that character's skin Ugh. in Detroit. Gross. Like, you don't have that, but yeah. we don't... It, it feels like we don't. We lack the vocabulary, we lack the appreciation to discuss these more holistic, like, effects of creative choices and instead we focus again and again on technology do you remember that disastrous joel McHale video game awards show where they tried to sell him on tress fx 
And there are a lot of things that went wrong in Joel McHale's hosting effort at the the Video Game Awards. But they're trying to explain to him why Tress effects with the realistic hair uh, was, was good. And they do the whole sales pitch. And they show the video like comparing basically two really good... I think it was The Witcher 3 they were showing him. It was like they both look amazing. Just one has kind of weird hair effects. And they finish it and Joel's like, yeah, thank God you... Uh, thank God for those trust effects because the other game, the other version looked like shit. <laughs> uh, and I feel like that's kind of where we've ended up is... We, we again we default to talking about like technologies and new new approaches and not because we don't talk about the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I can see the value in like being able to like I think of um uh what was the movie with where Rihanna played the little girl or something? Wait. Is it was Rihanna the, with the little alien and the little I know, girl? I was like, Battleship <laughs> is the only no. <laughs> the little there was like the alien home. Was it home? Maybe. And the girl, like they, it was something about there was like a big thing about it because they were able to animate the little black girl's hair in a way that was very realistic. And like to me, that's significant. But being able to like show the like the pores on a face is not like there. There are certain graphical and technical advances when it comes to you know being able to represent like the physicality of things that are not normally represented that have a meaningful significance like hair like uh you know uh skin color like those sort of things are are meaningful to me but when it comes to seeing pores or you know weird i don't know eye animation like things like that that that's not as (laughs) beautiful retinas i mean just nice retinas on this guy let me tell you um that's not as sick so there i i do think there are certain physicalities that have like a cultural and representational significance to them and those things are meaningful um but otherwise like i'm good on the puddles i'm good on the retinas i don't know you heard it here first. Natalie Watson, good on the puddles and the retinas. That's right. Hear that, socks? Right. We're good. Yeah. We're, we're socks. fine. No puddles, socks. <laughs> None of them today. Uh, I was going to read a little uh, quote from uh, an essay from James Murph called Identity Crisis, Suburbia, Consumerism, and Video Games. We're actually running running along at a pretty good clip, and I think we've handled a lot of sort of what that piece talks about. So I'll just shout out that piece if you want to read a little bit more about sort of gamer entitlement, consumerism, and so on and so forth. Uh, that's a good one to uh, check out. And I think unless we have more on puddles, uh, if, if we're good on puddles, we can move to a quick question question bucket. I guess that's a puddle of its own sort, right? It's a <laughs> puddle in a bucket, perhaps? I guess I am curious. Are, can puddles be yeah. in buckets? Are know. you saying like... Existential question. Is that what Rob is curious about? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I thought I was speaking for Rob. Maybe Rob has a different curiosity. (laughs) Rob, I think you and I are on the same wavelength here. Right. Right. I'm just vocalizing a bucket here. What's up with that? No. What's up with that? Let's talk about it. I am curious if, like, when is the last time you were really excited about, like, a technological improvement or upgrade or innovation in games? Like, Like, you actually were like, fuck yeah. Like progress is amazing. The physics systems in Breath of the Wild. 
I would say. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was like just it blew it blow. It still blows my mind every time I like when I I've just started going back and playing that game and just the mal I don't know, just the amount of manipulate opportunity to manipulate environmental space based on a set uh, rule. a rule set of of physics systems was like the most mind-blowing thing to me and it just enhanced my experience of the game so so significantly uh, so that would be mine the, oh, the jump to high definition for to me is was like I was, oh no we've video games have looked like shit forever as it turns out um like the first time i played games in like 720p like on an xbox 360 it was like I mean, I was one of those people who was buying, like, S-video cables on, like, their Dreamcast and stuff like that to make it look, like, marginally uh, better. Um, but, yeah, I think the last time I was, like, impressed was actually more, like, the fidelity of the display. Um, like, there have been things along the margins, like, Natalie speaking to, like, physics and stuff like that. But and the last time, like, I, I had, like, a, a real holy shit moment was really the jump to high definition. Um and didn't have anything nearly the same with the jump to 4K, but because of the difference between SD and HD was just so stark that it was like, oh, I can see things in games. Like, I can see details in games that I love that I could not see before because there was just no way to see them. Um, so I think that's the last one for me. I ha- My answer is so dorky, uh, but <laughs> it was when Unity did fully robust 2D support because I was making crappy 2D games in Unity using a 3D engine and basically rotating a cube with different <laughs> static frames on it to make it look like a shitty, terrible walk cycle, sort of like a little like invisible cube was was spinning across the screen. <laughs> and like I, I only had it move on like the XY plane, but it was, oh, it was so, God, it was such garbage. And then, yeah, when Unity was like, oh, you can actually make 2D games. Here's a here's a system for sprites and animation and all this other stuff. Again, not being anything near a professional developer, but just having the tool set to do some basic things without having to make it a, a ridiculous, just utterly goofy workaround was... Otherwise, I'm very basic. I, You know me. I like Into the Breach. I like Paratopic. I like games that look, uh, you know, very specifically simple and just very well art directed so i'm a nerd i'm thinking like the last time a game really like i was blown away uh (laughs) is probably the witcher 3 and to a degree there's an element of like that was gorgeous game it was a huge world etc but now i'm thinking about it and it was like but how much of it was just like the at like the affect of that world like what like when i think about like the moments that like took my breath away it was like when a breeze would blow across like the marshland and velen and like you'd hear all like the reeds rustling and everything and like that knocked me on my ass but was that a technological moment or was that foley work and like a slight bit of animation coming together you know what i mean like was that was that a technological triumph or was that a lot more to do with um, like ambiance, yeah, like like artistic, craft. yeah, artistic yeah. craft, as opposed to just like raw technical power, and like so, I think the the Witcher in games like it, I think that marks an era where I began to not be able to really tease apart like is this is this powered by Nvidia? Is this is this tech, <laughs> or is this or, or or is this craft? 
Yeah, I think there's something to be said for it's it's cool and potentially very good that artists and developers and tech artists and so on and so forth, everyone who works on the visuals and audio uh, assets in a game have a lot more tools to work with, right? They obviously have a lot more tools to work with now, depending on the engine or depending on whatever technology is available to them. But all it comes down to that craft, right? Artfully assembling these things and uh, making sure they work and so mm. on and so forth. So. I just want to shout out. Bad Company 2, the destructible buildings and the way that game looked, that was probably the last time I was like, fuck, this is okay. Tech is... Uh, and like before the, the uh, predecessor to that is uh, Red Faction um, having destructible walls yeah. in the like PS2 era. That was like legitimately... That was cool. Oh, shit. Like, you could just turn around and blow up any wall in the game. And they faked it by, you'd open up some walls and then there'd be, you know, indestructible stuff behind it just for whatever reason. But the fact that, like, there's a guy in front of you, you could tunnel underneath and, like, go hit him from below was, like, genuinely, it felt revolutionary at the time. Pretty cool. That Geomod, it was called Geomod, yes, right? Correct. They had a cool name for it. I do love the cool names for technology. That is a thing I do like. I like the FX chip and the Geomod and the... Was the hair one called that NVIDIA Tress was trying Tress out a couple something? years ago? Tress was that effect. it? Yeah, that's yes. yeah, that's what I was talking about. That's the, the thing one that you McHale had to immediately turn off, even if you had an NVIDIA card, because it just dragged the frame rate down. Still doesn't work. Like, still no. when I activate it, I'm like, God damn. And also, like, the hair looks really weird. It it looks like yeah. it looks like you you ever wonder what hair would look like if it was melting all over your head in real time? Well, no, Tress Effects is here to answer that question. Thanks. <laughs> I keep thinking it's Triss effects. Like Triss is making. What was your most hair melt. noticeable with Witcher her? Three. <laughs> well, there. You- oh shit! Triss's tresses. Yeah, it was. Triss. Tress. They they built it to honor. Like once the engineers in Nvidia saw Triss Marigold, they were like, "We must, we must honor this character. We must, we must paint you." <laughs> <laughs> we must paint you with melting hair. I love it. It's very good. Very good video games. All right, uh, let's do one quick dip into the bucket uh, before we get a move on on, on our weekends. Uh, and this one, Patrick, is very much for you, but it's I guess it's for everybody, but it's referencing you as as mm-hmm. pro gamer. Pro gamer, Klepik, of course. <clears throat> this one comes in from Michael, that's who mis- says... That's Mr. True pro gamer, gamer, I actually think. Well, I just want to be specific. Oh, yes. Excuse me. True gamer. Yes. Got to make Marvel's Spider-Man... True gamer. We got we got a you know tress effects. We got it all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the shitty uh, sequel where Peter Parker becomes an incel. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> don't say it out loud, Rob. Oh no, it's real. Oh god, here's the question. It's from Michael. Please, Michael. Michael says, watching Patrick quote pro gamers rise up unquote. Clepic. Play Dead Cells is actually kind of discouraging me. I feel so much worse at the game watching someone going in blind, smoke bosses, and snag runes that I'm still Mm -hmm. trying to get after two plus weeks of playing. Do you all ever get soured on a game from seeing someone else crush it? Or has any game been improved for you by watching it wrung out by experts? I'm still playing Dead Cells every night, but if I don't get that ram rune soon, I'm gonna need to take a break for a bit. Thanks. Michael. Michael, your official nickname is now Ramrune Soon. I just want you to know that. That's it's a good turn of phrase. That Ramrune. Gotta get it soon. All right, folks. Uh, yeah, I really... I pro- one of my favorite moments this year was uh, wrecking through that game and people not 
believe i was like oh this game must be easy then and then getting like uh, like several emails that was just like oh shit actually that game's hard it turns out you're just good at it so sorry didn't mean to be shitty in the chat and i was like yeah thank <laughs> patrick you. is very good at video games show i'm very specific i'm very good at a very specific type of video game which is like a dead cells and its ilk like i yeah I will lay claim to being good at those types of uh games but uh I can sympathize with what the uh, Michael's saying. That we're like, I've have no, uh, I don't know how to play strategy games, and so like other, I've you know dipped into like XCOM and into the Reach and like sort of like the entry level stuff. But things that require like higher level tactics and understanding of how those games play is like watching someone like Rob play it. It's like fuck. Okay, I don't know anything what's going on here. Like peace. <laughs> like I'm out. Like I just don't even bother. I just don't even want to learn. So. Uh, I can I with yeah certain types of genres and strategy games in particular are like that genre for me where it is always it's just off I just don't know how it works I don't even like when I've tried to play like board games and involve strategy where I know the rules I'm no good at it like I just don't think I'm particularly built for stuff like that um and uh so watching high level played like it doesn't impress me it just makes me like yeah feel like yeah I know I can't do this why am I watching this and then I just move on yeah. <laughs> Fair. I feel like I feel when I start watching someone, I don't know, like some of the games that I've I've watched um, y'all play like throughout, you know, working at Waypoint and stuff like that were games that I wouldn't have been interested in because I didn't feel like they were for me. Like I wasn't the type of gamer that sh- should play these games or would be good at these games. And something I've noticed is that by watching, I'm learning. And so... Which, when I do end up like finally mustering up the courage to try the game, I'm not as bad at it as it at it as I thought I would be. Um, or if I am bad at it, continuing to watch like when I first started playing Overwatch, I was terrible, and I watched a lot of really high level play. And a lot of the time, I was like, I'm never gonna be these these people. Like, I'm never going to be at this level. I'm never going to be, you know, like diamond rank or whatever in Overwatch. But seeing the way that they react and being like, oh, I've found myself in that situation before. And like, now that I've seen that reaction, like, I feel like I'm embedding it into my brain. And hopefully, like, my recall will recall that moment. And I will be, when I'm in the same situation again, be able to do that thing. So I feel like for me, often when I'm looking, when I'm watching people who are better at me at games that I'm not good at, it's usually because I'm going in with the perspective or with the intention of wanting to learn. Um, but I haven't tried Dead Cells yet, and I'm really <laughs> afraid that once I try Dead Cells, I'm going to feel really sad because um, I'm going to be really bad at it. So I don't know. It's Just hard. Get good. Okay. There you go. Just think All about right. it. Just, Just think put about a montage it. on. <laughs> training montage you'll be fine of me playing the game exactly exactly rob how nope, about you i uh, will never thank you <laughs> Fair. uh you know every day i wake up i throw on a video of patrick klepek playing video games and just crushing them <laughs> and i'm like all right time to make some gains and uh you know then i have a Chugging that coffee, yeah. watching those pro strats ready for the day yeah. Yeah. now i uh so this is something i'm actually trying to get over and try to get past, which is like, for the longest time, part of what's fun about games for me is the act of discovery for myself, like discovering stuff and like noticing shit and like 
seeing improvement and developing like as a player and, and understanding a game better, which is why I suck at most games. And I'm starting yeah. to realize like, no, I'm actually denying myself a lot of richness out of games by trying to like have this really like solipsistic approach to playing them. And mm. I should actually be much more aggressive about like early in my relationship with a game. Like after I sort of got my feet wet, go out and see what like you know, what the meta is, what are the strategies that people are recommending, what are the tricks to like high level play? Because that's going to help you like that's the stuff that's actually like maybe you could get those insights eventually, like beating your head against the wall like aggressively. But mm-hmm. You'll actually get a lot more out of the game sooner if you just embrace the fact that, like, look, there's thousands of minds tackling the stuff all at once and trying to learn from each other. Join in that conversation. Don't, like, be sitting there trying to do it all by yourself. uh, Because once you've gotten a few of those basic strategies, a game actually opens up more for you, not less. Yeah, and I think, you know, actually doing it earlier on helps you with the way that like you you might not have to do it later like if you kind of train your brain earlier on like you're learning the game's logic and you're learning the game earlier on and and that way you have the space to figure it out for yourself later on because you'll just be more naturally attuned to figuring it out after having like you just said rob like that foundation those like basics um down and so i think if anything, it's better to do it earlier um, if you're going to. Well, I don't it's, know. It's like if you're teaching somebody literature or something, it actually helps to have those Norton's editions with the fucking annotations and notes and glosses explaining references oh, and yeah. stuff. Because you can just dump like a shitload of poetry in front of somebody and be like, this is the canon. It's great. <laughs> have at it. Like you're going to be sitting there like, I don't fucking get like 90% of this. This sucks. I hate this. <laughs> But yeah. I don't know for yeah. have scaffolding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I watch so many speedruns. I have speedruns on constantly throughout my day because I find it really weirdly soothing to watch somebody who's incredibly skilled at something sort of practice and go through the it's like a very dojo martial artsy kind of weird mentality that I have where I'm just like I'm enjoying watching someone practice and get better at their craft in a very weird and specific way but i have started watching into the breach speedruns because i'm i've also lost my mind and have been weirdly considering doing uh, the marathon category of into yes. the breach speedruns which yeah this is a dark path i think actually it's, it's a dark <laughs> path that i'm going down but i definitely get a little bit of inspiration from that so i do i do feel I also I, I hear Michael for sure. I'm I get discouraged easily, especially when it comes to difficult games. I will go in with a great attitude, something like Bloodborne or a Dark Souls, and I will get through a decent amount, and I will have a good time, and then I will sort of get myself to the Zen mode and get through and get through and get through, and then I start doing the death spiral of misery and sadness and lose my mind doing it. So. <sighs> yeah which is all to say finding the balance is very difficult michael but hopefully you're able to find some inspiration uh from the true pro gamer sorry i got it wrong again patrick what it's true gamer pro gamer the true gamer the pro gamer both we're doing both true gamer true True gamers are pro gamers that's right that's right wow true gamers are i can't believe it (laughs) i think if we learn one thing here today it's that it's that true gamers are pro gamers and vice versa. 
All right. <laughs> you have a question. You can not send true, it. Not true, actually. I no. I want no. It's not. It doesn't go Let's both correct. ways. Let's correct the record. True gamers are programmers. Programmers are not necessarily true gamers. I got you. There's something untrue about being a professional. Sometimes. Hashtag watch the puddle. <laughs> God, puddle watch 2018. We got there, friends. Uh, if you wow. have a question about wait puddles, for, wait for puddle signal. <gasps> wow. Okay. Wow. Now it's getting a little dark. It's already. It's been dark. It's, Please take us out, Danielle. It's darkgamingadvice.com. The subject question. If if you got one of those, P uh, will lead us the way. He will send us the signal. He's oh, inside. Oh God! Shout us to Bowen P. for letting us use his track "Miss You" off the EP Pell Machine. We're on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. We're on Twitch.tv/slash/Waypoint, and we're everything we write, whether it's about puddles or signals or puddle signals. It's at waypoint.vice.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Patrick, when you're not looking for the signal or being the true gamer, where can people find you online? You can follow me at Anon. <laughs> wow. I need That's to it. go. That's As the podcast. Rob quickly goes to see if that account exists. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Rob, how about you? Uh, at Rob Zachney. <laughs> Natalie. At Natalie Watson. I'm at Danielle Ryan. Damn, you guys I'm read sorry. about these NVIDIA Turing chips? Holy shit. <laughs> Talk about game changers. Everyone, uh, thank you for being here for oh. the last episode of Waypoint Radio. <laughs> Goodbye. I encourage you in all of your lives to be good and be good at it. If you don't have the 2080 by next year, you're not gaming, son. Pause, Natalie. You seem like you were distressed about your microphone. Yeah, sorry. Just because she I threw it on the floor. I just dropped. <laughs> she was like, it. "Where the fuck is my puddle?" As you see that E three trailer? Sure so okay. The puddle was huge, uh, huge, <laughs> prodigious puddle. I think I'm fine. I think okay. I'm fine. As long um, as your everything looks okay. still going. I'll just I'll I'll point you to where in my track there's a f- large crash. It's all right. Um, you so. were pissed. I get it. You know, I you're a mad. gamer. I'm I am a gamer, a joyous one at a that. Gamer. Provided you're getting provided your nice I'm getting all those surfaces. peas. I yeah. want yeah. all my peas and I want all peas for puddles and pixels. That's right. Peas for right. everything. Yeah, you're talking it's not about a puddle, about it's an ocean. Gross anime games again, different kind of pea. Different pea. That's a different kind of pea. <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of What's pee happening today. in those dungeons, Natalie? Making a different kind of puddles. Uh-oh. I am picking not up girls talking about my anime games right now. This is not an anime podcast. I'm talking I'm about not Marvel talk- Spider-Man now, of course. This is know. a different type of anime where it's... When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.